Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max Rappaport. Max, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Jim. Max, this is the uh, last, most likely the last live pod of 2019 we're doing. Um, we will be recording uh, some pre-record stuff on Sunday, uh, which is also the day when most people in the league who have restrictions, get those restrictions lifted and trades can begin to happen. So we will be available should anything happen for an emergency pod, but uh, we are planning on just pre-recording things because, Max, you are going on your honeymoon very shortly. I am. This is very exciting. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, so uh, the point that I'm trying to make there is that with this being our last live basketball discussion of the year, essentially, um, I want to get through a quick chat about how things have been going for the team and then on to some points about the future uh, in between now and the next time we talk about live basketball. Does that sound good, Max? Sounds great. All right. So the, we are recording this on Wednesday. You will probably be hearing it on Thursday. Uh, you play the Celtics in Boston tonight if you were hearing it on Thursday. Um, and then they come back on uh, Friday against the Pelicans to try to make it 14 in a row at home. Max, that's fantastic. 13-0 to start the season at home. Uh, they are 14-0 at home in the regular season going back to last year. They won their last home game. It's their best home start since 1966-1967 when I think they won like 28 or 30 at home and ended up winning the title. How does that feel, Max? That that was a pretty good year for the team. Pretty good year for the team. Uh, That being said, that does also mean that they're basically a 500 team on the road. Uh, And actually, I think I did some math today and I don't remember where I wrote it down. Where did I write it down, Max? Oh my God, it's right here on a little sticky note. Uh, Since the 17-18 season to now, uh, the team is 121 and 68 overall, 74 and 21 at home, 47 and 47 on the road. Literally a 500 team on the road. 69 percent of their losses, which is a not nice number, have come on the road. That's kind of astonishing. Uh, and just to compare to see if it was always uh, a kind of a home advantage, even when the team was really bad. Note it wasn't. Uh, from 13-14 to 16-17 before that. Uh, only 53% of their losses came on the road. So, but that was also just the team was real bad all the time on purpose. So you can't really judge that. But uh, without getting too philosophical, Max, how do you feel about their their away play? I mean, I, I don't feel as good about their away play as I, I feel about their home play. But I, I, no. I think it's actually, to me, more a function of when the games came uh, in terms of the schedule. Like, yep. I, the Sixers recently have been a, a really good home team um and clearly are playing way better at home than on the road but i think like if you had flipped the schedule around so they started more games at home i don't think they'd be undefeated because i think they're really sloppy uh mm-hmm. or at least unconsistent inconsistent uh, at times early earlier in the year and that's like kind of fleshed out a little bit more the rotation feels like it's more in order um guys feel like they're fitting better ben simmons has played well as of late uh you know i i think i think a lot of that just has to do with the fact they played so many home games recently and a lot of their mm-hmm. waste late came early um yeah so i hope I, I i would like to see it i would rather see them lose you know go 500 at home in their next 10 ga- 10 home games uh if it meant them having a winning record on the road in their next 10 like i i would like oh, to see yeah, sure. that balance out because it's just not um, you can't be a team that's 
uh, you can't be a losing team on the road and win a championship that way. Yeah, they're currently thirteen and zero at home, eighteen and seven total. So that shows you they are five and seven on the road this year. Not great, but again, like you said, it's a little bit of a function of when the games took place. The, the season has so far was very front loaded with away games. Um, really quick in more than usual as well um not that there's a a year-to-year uh comfort that like oh we didn't just start uh, this many games in the row but it was more than usual um and it is like it's a system of circumstance where if you remember a couple of years ago when the sixers ended their season uh with with 18 straight wins most of which were without joel and or a good chunk of which were without joel and after his face exploded um that was a circumstance that's where a lot of those home wins that year came from as well and it was a lot of home games in a row um the team was just on a on a fucking roll playing great and uh they were playing against bad opponents right so when you look back at that you're like oh shit 18 in a row and inside of that 18 games that felt great too but it was all these circumstances that led to that as well so again i've said eight times so far in this podcast um and i was kind of half joking that like i would start to get worried about this team when they start losing games at home but you're exactly right. I would, you know, they have, I'm, I'm going to ask us to do some predictions a little bit later, but just to take a sneak peek at that. Um, there's 11 more games for the remainder of this calendar year. Uh, so between now and then the, the 12th of those games would be on January 3rd. So, and that's their first game in, in 2020. So from now until the end of the year, there's 11 games. Five of those are at home. God's honest truth. I'd be fine with them. Not fine, but... If they went six and five on that span and they won all the road games and lost all the home games, all right, sure, you know that's all right. That's not the worst thing in the world that could happen. I, I, I think you're right that you know you need to see because even with a, a home court advantage, uh, you're going to have to face teams on the road in the playoffs. And if you're a 500 team, even when you're playing, you know, a pared down rotation and when you're hopefully a better team and in a rhythm, you can't. You know, it's there's a mental aspect to that. If you play your entire season just owning things at home, right? You have there's a, there'll be a boost of confidence where you go in, you go into every game like they can't beat us here, they can't beat us here, and then that confidence can carry you through things. It can carry you through the adversity of a tough game, which we're seeing. We're seeing now. You know, these games where maybe they're letting stuff get away from them, but you can almost and they, you know, Tobias Harris has said as much, uh, and Ben Simmons has said as much in post game interviews. And yes, they're just doing fan service, but. Like, we don't want to lose in front of these fans. So you have this thing click in your head, like, they can't beat us here. Now, if you're a 500 team on the road, you go into every road playoff game going, oh, you know, it's a coin flip. Yeah. You know, even even if, even if you know you're like, we're the better team in the back of your head, you're like, we don't do so well on the road. So they do have to get that back up there. And would I like them to go 41-0 at home this year? Absolutely. That'd be hilarious. That'd be great. But I think it's more important that you're good at both sides. And I, I'd happily see a handful of home losses thrown at us if you can get those away wins yeah and i think what you said is really right that there's a certain like self-fulfilling prophecy that happens right like it for good mm-hmm. for in a positive way and a negative way right like i think the fact that they're 13 and 0 at home um that just feeds the way and you see it in the way they play at home um down the stretch and the confidence they have and then on the flip side like you know the games they've lost on the road um tended to be games where they it hasn't it hasn't felt to me i haven't looked at the stats so i might be wrong about this it feels to me like the games they're losing on the road are not uh or the games they're losing because those are the only games they've lost uh but Mm -hmm. it feels like those games on the road it's more them 
letting a lead slip or kind of falling apart down the stretch with turnovers or being in it uh, close enough but not able to battle back after giving up a lead. Like, it doesn't feel like... It's hard for me to think of a game where they just got blown out or where they were just down 10 the whole game. Like, it doesn't really feel like that's happening. Um, It definitely feels... Orlando. That's the one that stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because even, I mean, as a whole, right, let's just look quickly and, you know, the final score is the final score and it doesn't really tell you the story of how you got there a lot of the time. But their losses are by 5, by 2, by 3, by 15 against Orlando, by 8 against Oklahoma City, by 5... And then by six, and and those so. two, those last couple games too, like Toronto, they lost by five, um, and that was a that was a close game uh, yeah. in Toronto. The Washington game, they were up and blew a lead, um, and they mm-hmm. couldn't come back. The Oklahoma City game before that, they lost by uh, eight, but it was in eight, overtime, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and then Orlando, and, yeah. you know, and it, and before that, lost by three, you went through it by two. It, yeah. it feels like. The self-fulfilling prophecy for them on the road is that when it starts to fall apart, instead of being like, no, we got this, uh, yeah. it's like, oh, fuck, here we go again. It's what, yeah. what it feels like. It feels like it all, all the mistakes compound on on themselves. Yeah. And that's why I feel like it's important for them to, to break this cycle on the road and, and balance out a little bit more. I think so much of this 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 idea and this, this attitude and this aura around the team of these, you know, this this almost fatally flawed uh, system or, or or rotation or whatever is happening out here, it just it, so much of it just banks on that that Orlando game. If they win that game, we're not having ninety percent of the conversations we're having now about the negativity around the team, right? If they lose that game by three, we're not talking about that. That was just such an ugly, embarrassing loss. That you know, even the Wizards, who are a worse team than the Magic, even though their their, their offense is great, but their defense is like a bunch of just a bunch of cardboard cutouts on the court. You should be whooping them. Um, although Davis Bertans is like the greatest shooter of all time, uh, that there's so much and that, that, you know, there's enough time that was on the 13th of November where even though they, you know, they lost the game right after that. And after that, they won nine of 10 or, or 10 of 11, whatever it was. Um, that stink is still what's floating around this team. It's that stink from that Orlando loss. It was built there and it's the, the cloud is still following them around. If that loss was different, the whole atmosphere around this team would be different, even with the, the, the Washington loss, I think. And you just need to kind of put more distance between yourself and that game because that game is always going to be a 15-point loss, unfortunately. Uh, but you got to show, show more. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about these narrow losses. If you look at the wins, a handful of, you know, a good chunk of them are one and two possessions. But, you know, you have a win of 14 here and 22 here and 19 and 11 and 27 and 47 like when they're on they're on and that's the team that you want to see in road games that's the team that you want to see uh in the stretch at the end of the year that's the team you want to see in the playoffs and and this last month or so has felt the most on that the Sixers have been since that that win streak to end the year a couple seasons ago going into the playoffs agreed and and it's interesting that and I'm going to use this to make a point about another player but uh, Josh Richardson returned last night after a, a, a longer than expected absence, at least on my part. I thought it was a one or two game thing, but he was out for a little while. It uh, looked like c- complete rust. He'll shake that off because he was looking absolutely stunning before that. Uh, I have faith that he'll come back into the, you know, who's just shaking the rust off for a game or two and he'll be fine. Um, but part of the reason why he didn't lose that many steps in that Richardson being out is because 
And again, I think he's climbing the power rankings of most discussed sixer on this podcast. Matisse Thibault has been playing out of his goddamn gourd. Whew, he's man. unreal. So early in the season, right? There was the defense was there. We knew the defense was there. He's fouling a lot, but we're like, you know, he's got the ability. He's got that instinct. It's there. Offense was just not there, right? He was he was bricking bunnies at the rim. He didn't look comfortable. He looked kind of scatterbrained. And then he was kind of losing minutes. And then he got sat against Denver in a loss. And then the next game, in a win, he played two minutes and thirty four seconds, and it was just garbage time at the end, right? Since that since that game where he only played two and a half minutes and didn't even attempt a shot. He's been shooting 60% from three, 90 from the line, and 56 from field goal range. Now, And that's in like 15 games, isn't it? It's, uh, seven, uh, 16 games. Yeah. It's, two, it's only 2.1 three-point attempts per game in 17.8 minutes. Um, but that production, which includes last night's three, three for four, game before that five for eight from three, that production on top of the defense he's putting out there is just, it's truly astonishing. And it's, it's good to see, get a couple of highlight dunks last night that I saw got picked up by, you know, your, your Bleacher Reports or your Yahoo mm-hmm. Sports or whatever. It's good to see some, some outside of Sixers Twitter bubble attention being paid to Batiste Thibault because he already deserves that attention. Yeah, I've been super impressed. I, I think something that's, that's interesting too is you, you were talking about that game um, where he was benched against Denver. And like leading into that game, uh, his... I was surprised when he got that DMP because his his defensive uh, impact was was so massive. But at that point, I'm looking right now, he had shot just ballparking it like five of 23, 24 from three. Um, 20 of his last 33 he's made. Yeah, 20 of his last 33. So like he came he came back from that DMP, um, you know, and and played somewhere between like 10 and 15 minutes most nights and the really the breakout game was that sacramento home game uh mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago where he went five of five from the floor hit all yep. three of the threes he took um was super impactful defensively and ever since then um he's played 23 minutes a game he's shooting 62 percent from three uh, and he's yep. taking a lot more of them like he had only taken yep. Basically, since the fifth game of the year, he hadn't taken more than two threes in a game. And and other than one time, he'd only taken one or zero threes. Um, since then, he's taking, you know, about three and a half a game. The last couple of games, he shot eight and four. Um, yeah. He's made eight of 12 in those two games. Like, yeah, he just looks super confident. Um, it's good offensively. to see, too. You're seeing a lot of him coming off of screens and getting shots. A, la, a little bit of the J.J. Redick stuff from last year and last two years. And not only that, you're seeing a lot, and this is where a benefit of a man who's a little bit bigger and longer than Redick, much longer than Redick, uh, gets you to where come around screens like that and you give you the ball and the shot's not there, he can, he already has the basketball IQ to find the ball to somebody else or to drive. But you would see a lot of times where J.J. would come around those screens and be given that ball and then just try to either force a pass somewhere or gets a pass deflected because he had short little arms. But Matisse has got like a seven foot wingspan where he can see over people and also kind of make sure that a ball isn't given up. Uh, his turnover numbers are, again, this, this is since the, you know, that, that first eight games he played of the first nine games in the season. He had uh, two games with three turnovers and one with four. Uh, 
he hasn't he's had three once since then and most games he's had one or zero uh another thing that's been great with him and this is you know this might go up and down in flux with the aggressive defense he plays but the fouls first game of the year he had five personal fouls uh granted he did play 20 nearly 22 minutes so there's that but uh, he had two game or three games with four fouls in that span, two and one with three. Ever since then, so the last sixteen games, uh, he's only had more than two fouls f- five times, uh, and four of those he had three fouls, and one of them he had four. So he's playing more within himself on defense as well, or just playing smarter, or honestly just getting lucky calls. It could be any one of those things, but that stuff's keeping him on the floor, which is fantastic. Yeah, I've nothing but good things to say. I, I feel like we're also getting to the point where, um, what did he play last night? Like 26 minutes? Yeah, 26. 26, yeah. Uh, 32 the night before. That, yeah, yeah uh, 31 a couple games before that. Like, And not much in that Cleveland game where it was just a blowout. Uh, you know, I think, yeah. I think we're getting to the point where he's pretty much cemented himself as, would you say the number six minute, minute getter on the team after the starting five? Like if you're, I mean, there are certain games where other guys will play more, like Annis might play more, but I think like consistently yeah. he is most likely to play the most minutes off the bench of anyone. Yeah, because you, yeah, he's he's extremely reliable, and you, you know, you see where he wasn't really starting in place of Richardson with him being out, um, because Brett doesn't like to mess with the rotations very much, and sometimes that drives me insane. Um, but he was still keeping those minutes, and he was still going on the floor at the same time. And he was playing more minutes because there were fewer wings to spell him, uh, which was great. And and he made the most of that time as well. He's just been just truly outstanding. Do we want to jump into our uh, our predictions of what's going to happen while we're away from the podcast? Absolutely. Um, uh, I had a whole point to make about NBA on TNT, but I'll save that for our mailbag pod. <laughs> Mad about it in general. Um, I didn't. I watched the game was obviously on TNT last night, um, and I watched the game. But whenever it went to uh, NBA on TNT inside the NBA in studio thing, I just started playing MLB the Show and came back when they were done. It's really it's bad. exhausting. It's, it's extremely bad. Um, I'll just yeah, I'll make one point about it. Uh, the NBA pushes that as like a flagship product, right? Like inside the NBA. The funniest show on TV, the best show on TV, blah, blah, blah. And it used to be that a little bit, sure, and it's still funny here and there, but it's mostly just two miserable old fucks in Shaq and Charles who don't watch the games, don't know how to pronounce any players' names or who any players are, and it's, like, funny that they don't know uh, who the players are in the league that they're covering. Uh, And then they openly disdain anyone who they think could be good outside of a select few because anybody else being good hurts their ego from their career as a pro. And you talk about the NBA having ratings issues. Perhaps one of the issues with it is that the most outward-facing product that has the league stamped all over it is led by two all-time legends in the league openly mocking the league as a whole. Maybe that has something to do with it. Plus, they're both kind of shitheads, so there's also that. It's a bad product. They shouldn't push it as hard. Or yeah. they should just, you know, it's fucking stupid. Honestly, all around the NBA, as as much as it's this, like, progressive league and it's young or, it's, or it has a young fan base and whatever, they really don't lean into that as much as they should. And, like, now they're they're 
clamping down, which they hadn't done for a long time, like clamping down on free Dawkins and all the like highlight channels, and they're trying to do mm-hmm. their own thing, except their version of it's way shittier. Uh, League Pass sucks. Their app is trash. Uh, yeah. Inside the NBA, it's just a bunch of fucking boomers complaining. Like it's so much. Oh, so much of the here's here's a uh, former player to have their input, whether it be on a suit in a in a studio show or as a broadcaster. They're all bad. Like Van Gundy, awful. Mark Jackson, laughable. Should not be anywhere. Mark Jackson shouldn't be within 150 yards of a recording device of any kind let alone a live TV mic. Uh, Kenny is fine in the studio, but he's bookended by a bunch of fucking bozos. Like, it's absolutely absurd. Chris Webber, sweet, holy fuck, Chris Webber is bad. And, like, he's incredibly charming. I want to like Chris Webber as a broadcaster so bad. He's a very nice guy. I like him as a person, as a broadcaster. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, holy shit, man. I'm breaking my own profanity record here, but, like, come on. You have the most exciting, minute-to-minute, popular product. Because you can make the argument that hockey is, quote-unquote, faster-paced and, you know, all this, but it's not as popular as the NBA. You have this minute-by-minute, incredibly exciting, popular product with these incredibly appealing stars from all around the world. And then you're just like, hey, let's just have Charles Barkley mispronounce like three of the top 20 players in the league not know anything about them and then him and Shaq can laugh about how no one's as good as they were it's fucking embarrassing and the league as a whole is like an absolute joke when it comes to all this shit too because they're just sitting there scratching Adam Silver scratching his his chrome dome oh what could possibly be going on what could possibly be our problems with the ratings we can't possibly figure it out fucking idiot come on Right. Good rant. to rant in. No, it's it's frustrating <laughs> you have a too. Hard there's out such in like nine minutes, and that's yeah. an eight minute rant. <laughs> Blow it right through it. No, it's like right it up. sucks too because there's like such an there's an existing ecosystem too. Like you have so much culture and like social media activity and whatever. Like there's so much interest around the league and the storylines, and there are so many funny and insightful and like yeah. good analytical people who you could get for those shows. And it's like they, the NBA just what they do is they take they either put put in place, you know, bullshit, you know, Chuck Boomer stuff or yeah. they take the basketball Jones and just like bastardize it until it's not even enjoyable and make yeah. it the starters and try to fit it into a 30 minute TV show. And yeah. it's not interesting. Right. Like it's just it's like a bunch of boat shoes that are supposed to look like basketball sneakers. Yeah. It's like we, we're not fooled by these. These are Sperry's. <laughs> This the fuck out of my face. <laughs> All right, do you want to move on to predictions? <laughs> yeah, let's make some predictions. Uh, next three weeks of Sixers basketball, where we will not be doing live pods again unless something as emergency happens on Sunday before the Watchmen finale. Uh, so currently they're 18 and 7, 13 and 7 at home. There are 11 more games until January 1st, five of which are at home. Max, uh, give me your, your predicted record uh, in those 11 games. And then if you want to do home record as well, uh, just for information, those opponents are in Boston, uh, Pelicans here, at Brooklyn, Heat here, Mavs here, Wizards here, in Detroit, 
Milwaukee here on Christmas Day, in Orlando, in Miami, and then in Indiana. All right. Do you want me to run through these one by one? Yeah, if you want to. All right. So I have them going 7-4 in these 11 games. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have them beating Boston today, if you're listening on Thursday, in Boston. Yeah. Uh, I have them beating the Pelicans Mm -hmm. uh, at home the next night. Uh, And I probably think either Embiid or Horford sits that game, but I don't think it matters. Uh, It matters because I'm going to that game. What was that? It matters because I'm going to that game. Oh, well. Hopefully it's Horford then. Um, I'm going to take them losing to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. on the road on Sunday. Uh, and then I have them dropping their first home game of the year to Miami on Wednesday, yep. the 18th, uh, on ESPN. Um, I think they come back the next night and beat Dallas. Uh, I think they beat Washington at home. Uh, I think they beat Detroit. I think they beat Milwaukee. And then I think they lose a couple straight on the road, Orlando and Miami, uh, right after Christmas, a back-to-back there. And then I think they beat Indiana. I believe okay. that adds up to seven and four. All right, I'm gonna need you to track mine because I'm gonna do it on the fly. All right, all right. I have them beating Boston tonight, beating New Orleans on Friday, two and zero. Oh. Beat beating the Nets in Brooklyn, three and zero. Oh. I have them dropping two straight at home. Oof, three losing and two. to Miami. That's tough. And losing and losing to to the Mavs. Um, and then beating the Wizards, beating the Pistons. I have them losing to the Bucks on Christmas Day. Beating the Magic, okay. beating Miami in Miami, and then beating the Pacers on New Year's Day at 3 p.m., although that one I think is a coin flip. All right, so that's eight and three. So you have them going one better than me. Um, but dropping dropping all three of their losses at home there. That, that's, that feels contrarian. Do you really think they're going to do that? I do. I, I mean, they're not going to go undefeated at home, period, right? It's not going to happen. Uh, I think the Heat... Uh, have been playing well again. I mean, really, the game against the Sixers here was an outlier. Uh, Jimmy Butler's a goddamn psychopath. He's not going to let this happen again. Uh, the team's been playing really well. They're going to come in here mad. Uh, the Sixers might be resting on their home laurels a little bit at that point. And I think the Heat, actually, I think they probably beat them by at least eight, right? Yeah, I, I don't know why that game feels like it's going to be the one they drop, but I I've, I really strongly feel that way. I feel less... I They could lose to Dallas, but I, I feel really confident about them losing to the Heat. Yeah. Uh, and then two nights later, uh, Luka comes in. I think he just absolutely goes off. Maybe no one else in the team really does much, but he goes off and it's enough because I think you've seen this team... Um, not really recover from bad losses super well sometimes. Um, so I think they're kind of maybe a little scattered then, and they lose that, and then they put the shit together. And I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks and them on Christmas Day is just a friggin' shootout uh, of not necessarily high scoring, but just like back and forth and back and mm-hmm. forth and back and forth. Um, and I think the Bucks just eke it out, um, but the Sixers are in the game the entire time. And then I think they take the rest of them on the year. I feel like, so going back to that Dallas game, I feel like Ben Simmons is kind of like the ideal player to match up against him defensively, though, right? Like, of any of any one in the league who you could put there, like the fact that he's the point guard and that you have the other personnel on the floor, um, 
that he's quick enough and long enough and all those things and has good defensive instincts and a good True, per- but I mean, defender. He's playing in a way that, like, I don't know. Even the best possible matchup is not going to... It's just going to contain him for a minute. It's not going to mm-hmm. stop him. That's how it feels to me, at least, where he's playing on a level that is just absolutely stunning. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's how that goes. Um, just two more, one prediction and then one question, and then we can I can get we can get you to your hard stop, Max. Uh, as I said at the beginning, this Sunday, the fifteenth, uh, league wide, many restrictions are lifted for newly signed people in the offseason. They can now be traded, Max. Uh, by the time we come back to live basketball podcasting on January second or whatever, will this roster be the same as it is today? I I'd be shocked if it isn't. Okay. What what do you think? Do you think there's I a realistic chance they they do something? Not really. I agree with you. Um even if you look in teams typically only trade around this point if they're like completely bombing out, uh really gunning for something, they see someone available like the Sixers did with Butler uh last year. Uh Otherwise, they wait till closer to the deadline, which is in February. So, yeah, I think the the idea, I feel like the idea is being made a lot more this year about, I mean, Woj and Lowe are having an opening of trade season special on Sunday, I think. So, uh, but it's really not as active as they're trying to make it seem like it is. And I think it'll be mostly mm-hmm. the same, uh, which leads me to a question, though. One question that uh, was asked of us uh, that I wanted to bring up because it was something I want to talk about anyway. It's from uh, at Rye Campbell Soup. And he asked, uh, are the Sixers going to try to trade for the guys they let go, Cove, JJ, Sharich, etc.? Um, that's nostalgia. That's a lot of nostalgia talking. Uh, first of all, love the guy to death, but like Dario's not an improvement over anybody on this roster, really. Uh, we know that much. Uh, Covington, everyone loves Robert Covington, but like again, you be upgraded there. Uh, and I saw Houston, there's a lot of interest in him, apparently, so there's that. But you were talking about trading for JJ Redick, and I want you to explain yourself. Uh, what do I have to explain? What, what do you wow, feel like? Great, great opening. Strong, strong convictions in trade for JJ Redick land over there. <laughs> well, I, I just, I don't, I, I got some pushback on it. I don't really understand where that's coming from. From me. I pushed back. I but just said Max. Yeah. I don't know why you did that. Like, explain what? why you, I feel like you're the one who needs to explain. Bullshit, your, man. Your take. Nah. Uh, why did JJ why why did JJ Redick not start this season on the 76ers? Uh cuz he can't play defense. Okay, has that changed? No. Okay, uh another reason but, would be but that but also but also the way that say but also Okay, go ahead. Also is the way that the salary worked out and the way they need to make the trades work and whatever. Right. Is he getting paid less now? Uh Has that changed? No. Okay. How many players would you have to deal to get JJ uh, to match the salary where you wouldn't be a worse team. There's there's no trade. There's not a realistic trade. That's my exact point. My, the, the, but to, to be fair, if you didn't see the tweet, the tweet was like basically making fun of the fact that I was like trying so hard to get it to work on the trade machine and couldn't because there's right. nothing because that works. The easiest way to get it work is uh, Zaire Smith, yeah. who is... Uh, a you know raw prospect of all raw prospects at the time, at the time being, uh, Mike Scott, who uh, is better for this team currently than JJ Redick would be, I think. Yeah, and undoubtedly, he's not 
he's not as good for the Pelicans as JJ Redick is. So there's a, and then like Jonah Bolden or like Holoneto or somebody like that as a throw-in, which is just a shrug on either side. Unless you're going to start throwing like draft picks around as well. We just don't really uh, even have any draft picks that are valuable. No, you have you do have the Knicks second rounder next year. In 2020, Knicks. you mean, or 2021? Yeah, the Knicks. Uh, I think it's 20. Don't they? I think you're right. The Davies. Yeah. Was that the Davies trade? Oh yeah, I believe it was. Finally, oh, uh, that's actually a really nice the, prospect or uh, um, yeah. uh, value pick for for yeah. Davies. The Knicks are whole cloth dookie, um, to use a scientific term. Uh, also, Brandon Davies. That was the trade that inspired the flowchart. By the way. Because Brandon Davies was traded. Uh, let me pull up the date here. I'm pulling Brandon up the, uh, the owed picks yeah. right now just to make sure we're right on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brandon Davies was traded uh, in 2014. Uh, and a 2020 second rounder came back with it. Um, that might be a, a Nets second rounder, which the Sixers also still possess. So it's it's the um, best. Uh, it's the, they get the more favorable of... Brooklyn or New York, which will be New York. Yeah, sure. Uh, and that was also the Andre Kirilenko, Jorge Gutierrez trade. Max, how many combined games did Jorge Gutierrez and Andre Kirilenko play for the 76ers? Are you are you talking about um, Guillermo Hernan Gomez? Oh no, Jorge Gutierrez. Wait, Gutierrez. Yes, he was included in that trade. Neither of them ever played a single minute of 76 oh, I didn't basketball. even know he was included in that trade. I thought you were talking oh, yeah. about uh, Guillermo Hernan Gomez. No, that was uh, he was drafted and then traded. Don't remember what he was. He was traded. I think he was for. traded to. Wasn't it to New York and then he ended up. Uh, now he's on the uh, Hornets, or is he in the league still? Oh yeah, he's in the league. He was on the. The Hornets. better Hernan Gomez uh, plays for the Nuggets still, right? Is that Willie? Well, so Guillermo, Guillermo is, is Willie. Yeah, yes. but, but when he was drafted, it was Guillermo Hernan Gomez, which sounds yeah. way cooler. And that was, the, the, that was the, the Sharich Payton trade. Juan uh, Hernan Gomez is the other. Juancho, yeah. yes. Uh, and then, oh, that's where they got the 2022nd in the Hernan Gomez deal. That's how the Sixers got wow. the 2022nd that's, from that, the Knicks. That's crazy. And, and the 2021. Uh, and then the Hornets gave up Johnny O'Brien. I don't know what's happening. I'm confused by this thing, but yeah, that's the Hernan Gomez deal, I believe. That's where that came in. Yeah, so that's a good, that's a good prospect there. And then, you know the Sixers, they don't like using second-round picks we, for anything. We badly need that pick, though, giving up our first round this year. Uh, yeah, we, we, we can't yeah. afford to give up these second round. We have a lot of them, though. Just looking at this chart, there are a, a ton of second-round picks coming in still. But Every that's, single that's an actual, year. That's a usable second round pick. I don't want to just toss that Every around. Every single year of like the last eight years of having 15 to 20 second round picks that get used and then not used. We tell ourselves, you know, they can package a couple of those picks together. Maybe get into the end of the first round. That's a lie we tell ourselves. However, if you're the number 31 overall pick, you can probably package up with something to get into the first round. It could probably happen. I'd rather just it's use just right the 31 there, Right pick. on the edge. Yeah, you can get up, get up maybe as high as like 27. You don't know. You don't know. All right, that's all I got. Max, you got anything else? I got I got nothing. Did we blow past your stop time? We did. Uh, I think your rant cool. put us over by about five minutes. 
not going to apologize for it. No, it's fine. I appreciate the rant. Um, we'll be back uh, in about a week with our first pre-recorded episode. Um, yeah. Not sure which one that'll be. We're going to do two on the same day, so I guess we can decide which. We'll probably put out the Q and A first, just because Q&A it's first, more timely. I figure. And then the uh, the movie watch, which we will after recording, we will uh, let you know what movie it is. So if you want to watch it before and and go along with us, uh, it is at least this time. Max, you can say it is a basketball movie. It is not about a skateboarding chimpanzee, so that's good. Uh, and it is streamable if you have a certain streaming service. So it'll be accessible. If you need to borrow some logins, just ask around. Uh, and until then, you know, just enjoy. Send us your questions, and we will talk to you live about basketball early in 2020. See ya. And have a great honeymoon, Max. Thank you. And all right, bye. Bye.